Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. But we really like being mean. (laughs) Yes. The Thamel. No matter how much we kick and scream about the four-team playoff now, it was so much worse. And SI's Pat Forty. The number one choice is as big a no-brainer as Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is obvious. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Hi, ah, welcome to the pod. Hey, uh, glad we did our Super League <laughs> selections on Monday because it was one of only three days that the Super League was alive. (laughs) Great run. Great run. The XFL looks like the Kentucky Derby with this thing. Like, you know, timeless. Longevity. Soccer. Did did the NCAA run this rollout of the Super League, the European Soccer League that took 20, 48 hours and the fans are protesting? The soccernistas were up in arms. They won. Congratulations. (laughs) Power to the people. The Manchester have won. Man City. They listen I picture to them. all the annoying people that you identified, Dan, like rioting with uh, with like torches and pitchforks outside the office of some mythical Super League club, which probably looks like a Crystal Palace, even though Crystal Palace wasn't involved. And I feel like they won. Torches, yeah. pitchforks. They had, their and, Shiano, and, they had their Shiano Sunday, Sully. Yeah. You said it well. Torches, pitchforks, and uh, scarves. Got to have the team scarves. A lot of scarf. Got to yeah. have the scarf. All right. Well, you know, so this is this is interesting. In the in the time that the Super League lived, of course, there were many people went with what we did and created our own college football Super League. Uh, I heard re- supposed reports that this was even possible, that the colleges might actually do this. Completely ridiculous. But... We do always hear the the puff out of some athletic director somewhere or some commissioner about breaking free of the NCA and having a a power five sort of super league with just 60 something teams. Uh, that part, uh, I also think is impossible, but I'm open to debate on this subject. Do, do either of you think there is anything to uh, I think we can take the 12 team super league pretty much out of contention. But if not, maybe we can discuss that too. This idea that there's a big br- breakaway really put possible for college athletics. I still think it is very much unlikely, but perhaps less unlikely now than it has been in years past. You know, I do know in the fall, really it was late late summer, there were discussions uh, and conversations amongst the Power Five about staging their own fall championships. You know, if like if the NCAA isn't going to have them, we'll have them because we want to have them. And who needs the NCAA? You know, we'll run our own stuff. And it was there was even, you know, it wasn't it wasn't terribly concrete, but it did get to the point, you know, detail of like, okay, which conference is going to host which sports, and where would they host them? And can you call a member school and say, hey, will you host? the cross country championships or whatever. So, you know, that was, yes, that was spurred by COVID, but I think it also has the underpinning of general dissatisfaction with being partners with the non-Power Five and with an NCAA structure that tells the Power Five still more what to do than it wants to be told what to do. Uh, I think overall that there's a recognition that there will be there will be a lot of bad that would come with that. A lot of problems, a lot of complications. I do think you would stand a great chance of completely killing the 
college basketball tournament, Golden Goose. Uh, and I think you would alienate a lot of programs and schools that you would find out you still ultimately need for scheduling uh, and, and other purposes. So, you know, I don't think it would happen, but I do think as, as the dissatisfaction has grown with NCAA leadership, that there's probably more of an appetite to look and say, hey, is there a way we can do this? The last time this idea was broached to me was, uh, again, theoretically, not in any sort of like significant momentum way, was uh, a few weeks ago at the NCAA tournament when the Georgetown president, uh, Jack DeJoya, came out in support of Mark Emmerich. And no one in college athletics is in support of Mark Emmert. No commissioners, no athletic directors, other than maybe Scott Woodward, who he's related to. And they really thought the presidential leadership piece that, again, is sort of slogging through this time where the NCAA hasn't got anything done with name, image, and likeness, keeps stepping on its own feet. They really thought that that may be one of the drivers to eventually force some kind of breakaway. Basically, if the actual experts and people involved in the sports aren't in charge of the sports, which is patently ridiculous that it is that way right now. I mean, it's a bunch of people who spend 5% of their time in college athletics making the decisions that shape most of college athletics, which doesn't make, which doesn't make a ton of sense. But I, my skepticism is and always has been rooted in the logistics, right? Then say is this big, awful monolith. Well, actually, like 90% of those people are making the trains run on time their eligibility, their enforcement, their compliance. There, there are The NCAA is generally filled with well-meaning people trying to do their best and work in college sports. And you can't just, if how many people work there? What's your estimate, 500? Uh, yeah, like I'm sure at least. So these hundreds of people aren't just there to like hold up the barricade from athletes getting paid, <laughs> which I think is like the, which I think is the perception sometimes. These 500 people all have jobs. They're making, they're making their widgets. <laughs> They're, you know, making sure the trains run on time. They are all like like all of that, all of those man hours, many of those man hours would have to be replaced in some way. So you would still need some sort of centralized governance if you did break away. And so like the infrastructure piece of it is is one reason I've been skeptical. And then the, the, the second one obviously comes down to the basketball tournament, like Pat just said. Can can you break away from that billion dollar CBS deal? Can you then recreate something, call it something else and make it like the NCAA tournament with a bracket again, but still have North Texas and still have, you know, these great underdog stories like, you know, plucky 11 seed UCLA coming out of nowhere. Uh, you know, can you still have VCU and Butler and all these great, you know, great runs we've seen over the years, George Mason, like, is that gone if they break away? I would be much less interested in the NCAA tournament if it was just Providence playing Oregon State in an 8-9 game. Like that doesn't do much for me and, and, and never will. And so I do think that is going to give pause. Um, and then the, the other piece why I think there's zero chance this happens is the, the same reason why in realignment, Texas Tech was going to have to go with Texas and Oklahoma State was going to have to go with Oklahoma. The politicians are going to get involved. And when the politicians get involved, there's just no chance that this that this happens because there's, there's there's too many state institutions. There, there's too much tied in a, in a general economic sense. So you're talking about multi-billion dollar industry. There's too much tied in economic sense to allow them to go away and just create their own little kingdom. Yeah, I agree with all that. I just I just I remain. This is just like a. It's like a cocktail party thing for for cocktail discussion of uh, of athletic directors. Like, well, we'll just we'll just do it on our own. Go ahead, I dare you. It's it's sort of like the Super League. Go ahead, try yeah. it. See what happens. And those are billion dollar corporations. Everything they got clued in on. The number one thing is the politics. To me, Pete pointed it out. Two thousand ten, the Pac twelve wanted Oklahoma, and they wanted Texas, and without even getting past the initial stages. Texas and Oklahoma said we can't go without Oklahoma State and Texas Tech because if we leave two public institutions in our state behind in a devalued Big 12, the amount of money we will make is, is offset by the money, money those schools will lose and the state legislatures will flip out. And that would be the same thing. You take 
I would I would say this of all the schools in a in the country, the Power Five that have maybe well maybe not the all, but one of the ones that has the most power in its state is Ohio State. Obviously, Nebraska or some of these stick schools where there's really aren't any other schools, but Ohio State, big time deal. It's the only Power Five team in the in the state of Ohio. It's a big big deal. But if it left the NCAA, there's all the other Division One schools are left behind in a completely devalued whatever hell's left. Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, just do the public ones. Cincinnati, Akron, uh, Toledo's not, Bowling Green, Ohio, Cleveland State, Kent, right? Then your private ones that have political power too. Uh, Dayton is big in Dayton, right? A right state. You go down to your D3s, would be completely, everything, everything would be a mess. All of those politicians... Uh, unless this became some kind of partisan thing, would say, wait a minute, you're not screwing us over here in Bowling Green. I can't let Bowling Green get hurt because of you if I represent that area. And so as big as, like, uh, let me put this with Ohio State. Ohio State is, the I think, the biggest athletic department in the country. It has about a $200 million operating budget and brings in about $200 million in revenue. That's a lot of money. That's huge. The operating budget for the entire Ohio State University is seven point five billion. <laughs> yeah, slightly larger. Even if you took the hospital out, it's over four billion dollars to run Ohio State. Ohio State football is a big deal, not that big of a deal. They get a half a <laughs> billion from the state. You want to risk that half billion? Is there going to be a TV contract that's going to make up for the half billion plus all the other? contracts with the state, all the other things. Do you give up your research grants with the other Big Ten schools or the other schools in the state? Do you risk, you know, whatever you're doing, politicians are going to jump in. And so I, I I just don't see, and that's that's at Ohio State. Imagine the others. That's why the Super League, forget yeah. it. Oh, really? The politicians of Florida are going to let Florida just leave Florida State and everyone else behind? Hell no. So I just, to me, it's just complete, it's as big as college football is. It isn't that big compared to these schools. Right. No, the no, the level of complication that goes so far above and beyond athletics is something that often just gets completely ignored. But yeah, there's there's bigger money and there's more people involved and more decision makers and influencers involved uh, when you get outside of that. I'm reading a book right now on like how World War One started and like the lattice work of alliances and agreements and stuff. And that's kind of what you're talking about there is like you, you want to go in and start breaking those treaties. Well, welcome to war. Uh, I think that you, there's a lot more chance to lose than there is to win from that sort of situation. Uh, and, you know, that that's the, the other thing to, to Pete's point that Somebody has to run an organization. You know, if you, you can get rid of, you can walk away from the NCAA, but you have to cr- create son of NCAA, you know, over here to make sure eligibility standards are there and look at transcripts. And, you know, if you're going to leave this to each individual school, uh-uh, that's not going to work. There has to be an overseeing body that takes care of all that stuff. Who wants to sign up for that? Creating NCAA junior. Running the co- cross-country championships. Yeah. And plotting them out four years in advance. So, you know, you've got the park in wherever to, you know, like these are jobs. Someone's got to do that job. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll make the final point of this. Uh, we have a couple of pre- college presidents who uh, who listen to this podcast and they, they tend to tweak me on text message when they when I bring up the point that college presidents are generally gutless uh-huh. and they are generally <laughs> name, drop, name drop name yeah. drop. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm not. I'm not name dropping. I, I'm calling them gutless. So I don't think I'm actually like, you know, promoting it. But <laughs> <laughs> college presidents have no vision. They have no collaboration and they have no ability to make decisions when it comes to college athletics. We've seen this for a generation now. And this would take like bold leadership. It would take people like putting their jobs online. It would take actual expertise. College presidents have none of this when it comes to college sports. They just want to keep cash in the checks. Let like let the corpse of Mark Emmerich up to take the bullets for him and then just like keep on keeping on. I, I would add this too. And cause you also, the politicians be federal. Uh, you would have people saying, you're not, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to pay taxes now. Or there'd be a whole bunch of political fight. But I also say this, I don't know that you don't lose money anyway. Even if your TV money goes up, you, if you have an even league, like the NFL, you play in, well, now we got an uneven 
schedule at the NFL. It's called 17, but they work it out. Let's say in the past, you have an equal number of home and road games. You no longer get eight home games. You get six. Right. That's a big loss in revenue for these schools. Tickets, it devalues the parking permits. It hurts the importance of, of donations. It hurts the towns. Sure. These towns thrive on eight home games. They don't get TV money. They get the, the eight home games. B, you got to win. The reason people donate and support your team is if you are winning. You need those easier games against the non-power sure. five to burst up records. The NFL, you could go 1-15 in 15 in Jacksonville, and guess what you see? No one goes to the games. Not just last year because of COVID, but in general. The attendance drops. But the system is we have a salary cap, and the worst team gets the best player. So Jacksonville gets Trevor Lawrence, and if you're a Jaguar fan, you sit there and go, well, this sucks, but I'm going to get Trevor Lawrence. And now I buy my ticket again. In recruiting... The best team gets the best player and the worst team gets the worst player. And so if you suck, you're always going to sure. suck. That <laughs> climb out is impossible. So you're going to go year after year after year. One in, one in 12 or whatever. One in 11. Like, how's that working? That's going to cost you. I don't care how much TV money you supposedly get. And then the basketball tournament would be a joke. People do not watch the NCAA basketball tournament because of great basketball. If you wanted to watch great basketball, you'd watch the NBA. You watch because of the upsets and the drama and Abilene Christian provides an incredible value to that event. Even, you know, they, uh, that that's what it's about. That it's three different events. It's the it's the first two rounds are a huge event. The middle sorts it out and then the finals people watch. But it's three different events practically. You can't get rid of Abilene Christian and expect people to tune in and get excited cuz Missouri's playing Auburn in the first yeah. round. Nobody watches that game in the no. regular season. <laughs> no. uh, great, great point Pete had on Monday was, at, you know, you think Phil Knight's going to let Oregon out of the, you know, not participate? It, everybody's got a Phil Knight, not necessarily to that level, but you brought that point up too, Dan. Like, Michigan State's got two giant dudes that would not allow Michigan State to, you know, they know people. They would, they would strong arm their way into it. And everybody's got one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, it would be... And Sully, your guide, runs convenience stores and NFL franchises into the ground, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, your guy is not good. Pilot. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. No. Yeah, your guy. We got, we got, your we guy. got Gatorade yeah. money. We got Pepsi money. We, we, got, we got some money in Knoxville. Don't worry. <laughs> Missouri, Missouri had Don't a guy worry. once, and he put his daughter's name on the arena, and then there was plagiarism, and they had to take the name off, and now he's not really Missouri's guy anymore. But uh, And their other guy, the other guy was behind the yeah, Super League. Right. Yeah. So no, that's the the uh, the point is that that a lot of if you if you ha had so, if you either ha had just a power five or, or or a super league is that teams that are accustomed to winning would have to become accustomed to losing and that would not go well and you would taking you're asking them to take on the risk of going from being a perennial nine and three to a perennial four and eight uh, and who wants to sign up for that risk when you when you already get. The chance to, you know, if, especially if you're in the SEC and you get four non-conference home games that you can win uh, or four non-conference games that you can win uh, or the ACC the same way. And you, then you go to a bowl and you puff yourself up and everybody's excited about your team. And a lot of the fans all say, oh, we, you know, we don't really like those boring games when we're winning 55 to 8. They actually kind of do because they get excited about their team. You go and you see your guys play well and dominate another team and you walk out saying we're pretty good. And you build up some excitement about your season through the first three or four weeks of the season. And then reality arrives. But, but you've at least got that much. Yeah, it's a lot easier to sell tickets when you're seven and five and you went to a bowl or six. That's yeah. why they do it. Then if you're Michigan last year, go two and four and, you you know, extrapolate that out. And you're four and eight for the yep. season. Now you try try sell. Now, if you if you have your easier games and all of that, at least you're at least you have something. So. I don't think I think it's something they love talking about. I think they'll always love talking about if they try to if they dare try it, man, let the Super League. Which they didn't even see 50 of the problems coming on that. I, I let me put it this way. These are just the things I can think up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a hundred more problems coming at you. Like, man, good luck trying. All right. So on Monday, we drafted the 12 schools that we would put in our Super League. And unlike some of these other wimpy national writers like Andy Staples, 
Ralph Russo. They went 15. Yeah, well, that's easy. 12 is what the Super League has in Europe. We want 12. That's why Oklahoma gets left out. You go, what? how the hell did this happen? It's hard. I mean, we want people angry. That's the difference. <laughs> Other podcasts want to be like friendly to people. No, we want people irate. We want people, you know, like burning up our comment section. Yeah, we don't want we don't want any friends no. here. We had one guy saying that, that it was proof. The podcast was proof that we know nothing about college football. So that's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I never we'd like disputed to think twice that. a week we show everybody that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what we dispute. I mean, yeah, when you got to choose between Michigan, Oklahoma, and Texas A and M, yeah, that's a hard pick. Yeah, you know, two, yeah. two, you get two of the three. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right, so. But we really like being mean. That's yes. At one point, we were going to rebrand this podcast just mean. That was going to be the name of the podcast. Um, We literally have a segment that makes us say something nice. So we want to pick the least Super League. The 12 programs you would start if you were trying to put together the worst FBS league possible. This would elicit nothing but whatever, like, what was that? Fox Sports South Plus? <laughs> That'd be the yes. only place you'd see the games. Tarleton was on there, I believe. <laughs> we would get no television money, have no fans, and no recruiting base. <laughs> so, in the spirit of being mean and capturing the huge markets that these fan bases have, let's do a draft. We're going to select. So, select your number one, the worst possible franchise in college sports to start your bottom 12. Uh, you know, Ryan McGee at ESPN does the bottom 10. 12, yeah. bottom 10 every week. Yeah. That's always yeah. pretty funny. Pick yeah, away. This, this Pick is away. The, with the, the number one choice is as big a no brainer as Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is obvious. <laughs> <laughs> this is a layup. And by the way, layups are the only thing they do well at this school when it comes to athletics. It's Kansas. Uh, as I said in the column, without redeeming value <laughs> or hope. I mean, they have tried everything <laughs> since. Mark Mangino was forced out and they have stunk. They have been not, I mean, not just bad, but terrible for a long time. They haven't had a winning season since 2008. They haven't won more than three games since two, in a year since 2009. Every hire they make is a disaster. Uh, they are currently still flailing around after less miles. We'll see where they point their, uh, their rudderless ship next. And uh, they, they are the biggest underachiever non-entity hanger on in power five football. <laughs> oh, so this has to be power five. We're not getting down to, no, I, we're not I getting down did, to I like power Troy five. or anything no, like that. I did power okay. five. Now, yeah. Okay. Last right, summer. Yeah. I, That's good. That's good. We're, we're going to spare you, Matt. Last summer. I, you, I, I thought you, you yeah. relegated a long time ago. So. <laughs> we can't even be the number one pick of the worst. That's how much we suck. All right. Second pick Pete. So, uh, Pat did his list on uh, SI.com today. And uh, b- before we go on, because Pat has a uh, ongoing saga with uh, with a fan base that in, in a t- college town that he has consistently <laughs> ripped. And, you know, his his picture is on the dartboard of the Pullman Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> and when you talk about the worst jobs in college football, and I'm not going to take Washington State here. But when you talk about worst jobs in college football, Washington State is on the tips of everyone's tongue. And Pat had an opportunity because there's nothing Pat likes more than to pick on somebody and then to keep picking on them for as long as possible to antagonize the fan bases. And I know Nick Rolovich is not a fan of Pat's feelings on Pullman. But Pat gave Pullman the pass. He did not put Pullman, he did not put Washington State on his bottom 12, which I'm thinking has to be an oversight. I can't, like, peer into Pat Forty's college football brain and see him being like, ah, the Palouse. <laughs> they are the 13th worst. <laughs> the Palouse is terrible, but the football team that was there under Mike Leach was not that bad. Uh, you know, they they were, had, were in contention in the Pac-12 on occasion. Heck, they went to a Rose Bowl this century. I've got all my facts and figures here, Pete, of uh, the last five uh, years of power rankings, and Washington State came out of this in decent order. I mean, at least a good enough order to not be one of my 12 worst. I mean, they, they are by no means good. Sure. Trust me. I If I could have had yeah. a chance to take one more shot at the miserable, okay. awful, ugly Palouse, all I would have. Right. Fair enough. I was just curious. I was waiting to see it. I was waiting to see what little what little dig you'd have. No, that, that doesn't mean you you can take them. Yeah. You can take them. I may take them at some point. I'm not going to take them two. Right. I'm going to take right. Duke two. two. 
Duke could just disappear. Nobody would notice yeah. Duke football. Are you are you kidding me? Pat Adam, eight. Oh, I second guess the heck out of that. Eight? There's eight more relevant programs at Duke football? Like, Daniel Jones was there, and they, they didn't even get off the, the table. They couldn't even be resuscitated. The guy was like the fifth pick in the draft. Um, yeah, I know David Cutcliffe has done a nice job, like, you know, putting a mirror under their nose and drawing some breath. But for the most part... Duke football has been a century of irrelevance. All right, I'm taking Vanderbilt. They did just too yeah. academic. Just I don't think people care. Their one chance was before the Tennessee Titans showed up. Then they became a pro market. Like that doesn't help. God bless you for trying, Vandy. But now that's my first round pick. Yeah, and that's even even with Tennessee in a historic lull, as Sully will will note. The, it hasn't really helped Vanderbilt. I said they, they were the academic hood ornament of the SEC. Tear, tear the hood ornament off. That's a great line. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, second round. That's three with the number four pick overall. I am taking Rutgers, uh, which I know there was a pilot light, light of hope that was lit by Greg Schiano, uh, but that still cannot overcome the darkness of the last decade. Uh, now, can can Rutgers be good? Yeah, I mean at least competitive, but. Just based on what they've done recently and just the the fan interest, I think even in good times, the fan interest is going to be iffy. So I'm throwing out Rutgers. You're out. Just just got a commitment from a top they 100 did, quarterback. They did, from the state of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, how about that? We'll see if it lasts, right. but they got them. Gavin Winsip from uh, Owensboro. Yeah. What's the name of the barbecue yeah. place in Owensboro? Full Moon Pat? Barbecue. Full Moon mm-hmm. Barbecue. It's good. Are those guys the ones on the uh, the barbecue pitmasters all the time? I don't know. Somebody from Owens it probably is, on is. There a lot. They make mutton. Probably. They make mutton. Have you ever eaten mutton? I have pack? not. Now mutton is big. That and that is an Owensboro thing too, especially is mutton. But I have not. Yeah. Yeah. What is mutton? It's, uh, it's like a, it's a goat lamb or something. Or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was a sheep. Yeah. What's the difference between a lamb and a sheep? <laughs> I think it's the same thing. One's a kid. <laughs> All right, back to football. Good idea. (laughs) I think it's the same thing. I don't know. (laughs) I ain't eating it, though. We have no idea what we're talking about. I like lamb. Lamb's one of my favorite foods. Actually, lamb chop's good. I don't know. Those guys look like they know what they're doing. It's a Mediterranean delicacy. Yeah. The Owensboro guys on Barbecue Pitmaster totally know what they're doing. I would eat anything they they grill up. All right, go ahead. Um, I got to take Illinois here. There's different ways you can slice this argument, right? Could, could, do you do it by recent history? Do you do it by, like, total history? Do you take market into account? Do you do a lot of things? Illinois did have some glory years at some point when, like, Dick Butkus was there and Jeff George, uh, Jeff George parted his way through there. But for the most part, <laughs> in the time I've covered the sport, Illinois has just been dead, flat, irrelevant. And uh, hopefully Brett Bielma can uh, can can get can get a little shot of adrenaline there. But uh, I don't think anyone would miss uh, anyone who would miss Illinois. Uh, this was going to pain me a little bit because I, I, I was a fan when I was a kid. But uh, the Boston mm-hmm. College Eagles. I just don't really see a path forward to anything more than average play. That should be good, I guess, but they care a little about too much about academics. Uh, Pete, you can attest the, there are plenty of Boston college fans, but there's a hell of a lot more uh, Patriots fans uh, out there. Um, Just not really happening for BC. I don't know where, how they get good in the ACC is one of those deals. They moved the ACC to survive and that's all they've done. They've survived. Uh, they're not really relevant in any way. And uh, their fan base may be angry if you left, but if they showed up at games, that may be, be a little different. So I'll take BC. All right, yep. third round. I, I would. I, I saw them on Pat's list. I argue with that a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Homer on you. First of all, I'm going to the BC spring game this weekend, so I don't want to get pelted with any, uh, with any okay, like okay. empty Miller Lite bottles um, while I, while I navigate my way through the, uh, through, through the parking lot. But I just think with market, like it, there's, there's better arguments for twelve. I would save BC from the, uh, from the, from the twelve here. That would be. That would be how I would uh, how I would view it. I don't think they're much past the twelve, but I would I would save them from the twelve, and I would I would purge some of the more uh, irrelevant smaller market teams. They're still maybe they'll get another five foot nine quarterback from Natick, <laughs> and then uh, it'll... Uh, you you might get pelted with full Miller Lite bottles. That would be worse. Uh, 
BC hadn't been in. Not the BC students I know, Pat. They <laughs> they got a lot of money. They, they can afford to throw a full one at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The BC hasn't finished a season in the top 25 since 2007. So it's been a while. They 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 did make back to back ACC uh, title games. Yeah, well, that was like, like 2007. It's been a while. Yeah, with Matt Ryan. Yeah, no, it's been a while. It's been a while. They were they were not dudes under Steve Adazio, and yeah, no, they got they got behind it. Yeah. Uh, they just built an indoor. They used to, when Ozzy was the coach, they used to have to drive to Bryant College, like in, in, if it rained to practice. <laughs> nice. Honestly, that. what a waste of space in that tight little campus that's just a great location yeah, they to just put got an indoor practice line. facility. No, it's, it's yeah. actually pretty nice. I, I don't know. If, if I'm you're sure gonna it's do nice. It, you, if you're going to do it, you got to do it, right? Like they have three sports they have to honor there because hockey is a, a very big deal, as Dan knows. So. Yeah, there's a there's a path forward for them to sort of sputter Suck around up. and get up to the top Suck 25. Up. No, I've just I, I've seen it. Total so okay. Enjoy the spring game. Uh, yeah, have round, it's supposed to be a nice day. <laughs> round three, first pick. I am taking Oregon State. Uh, Oregon's only big enough for one competent team, and Phil Knight has bought bought that. <laughs> bought the rights to that. So uh, Beavers, look, they try hard, but they, 11 winning seasons in the last 40 years compared to 12 seasons of double-digit losses. Haven't had a winning season since 2013. You got to go. You're out. So this is going to be counterintuitive because they were recently in the playoff discussion, but I'm going to get rid of Baylor. Whoa, whoa. Uh, they, have, they, have, they have no market. They're back down again. If you look at the if you look at the grand scheme of fifty years, they've been terrible for a majority of those fifty years. When they did when they did reach heights under Art Bryles, there was obviously a cloud of infamy and uh, yeah, just a career destruction that came along with that, along with a bunch of shattered lives. So I don't know when you look at the uh, when you look at who's left on the on the big tw- in the in the Big Twelve at least like. Texas Tech has a little bit more longer history, and they they care more at Texas Tech certainly than at, than at Baylor. So I'm axing Baylor. Wow, nice facilities, great recruiting area. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I guess he just doesn't have the love the charms of Waco. <laughs> <laughs> Chip go and Joanna Chip. are off my mm-hmm. yeah, go Ch- Chip and Joanna alone. Uh, yeah, I, you know. Maybe I would have said that before when they were at Floyd Casey Stadium and they had those tarps, the tarps with the bodies buried (laughs) under it. Favorite thing, those tarps. I'm convinced. What is under the tarp? What are you hiding, Baylor? What's under the tarp? They never answered. They just got rid of the stadium. It's a mystery forever. It's the freaking Bermuda Triangle, Central Texas. McLean, the the, the sail gating, uh, a lot of players around there. I mean, I don't know. I'll, t- I'll I'll go right at Pete. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna defend you, Baylor, by going right into Pete's stab Pete right in the heart. Syracuse. Mm-hmm. They're 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 right here. <laughs> All they have is a dome stadium that is aging by the day. Well, they got a new roof. They they redid it <laughs> last year. Sell that to the recruits. Oh, hey, we got age. a new roof. We yeah. got a new roof. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, once the uh, once the tannery mills return to Rochester, <laughs> the population will boom and there'll be a ton of players or something. I mean, Syracuse, forget it, man. Syracuse and BC were relevant programs when all they had to do is play the other crap. Like they played Connecticut and UMass and things like that. Now that they're in real league, there's nothing there. I, I don't know. I don't know the path forward there for Syracuse. Uh, I love Dinosaur Barbecue. I like it up there in, in central and western New York, but I just I just don't see it. Um, certainly, there's a lot less players hanging around central New York than central Texas, so I'm I'm taking Syracuse orange. Yeah, that's uh, they're certainly on my list. Um, all right, next all right. round, I I am taking uh, state. Last Is this round. The last round, okay. All right, I'm staying out west. I'm taking Arizona. It's probably a similar premise to the state of Oregon. You're not really going to have two good schools in that state. So one of them gots to go. And it's the one that has been in the Pac-10 slash 12 since the late 1970s and still hasn't gone to the Rose Bowl. Uh, coming off a winless season, they've had more losing seasons than winning seasons this century. You know, they've had some blips of being okay, but that's it. Arizona, out. Wow. It's tough for Arizona. Last uh, this week on uh, All American, Arizona State got mm. a shout out. See, snubbed even on All American. I know it's tough. It's 
tough. Every time you reference All American, I like to just consider how little Pat knows about it, and it makes me chuckle every time. Like he's never seen a trailer. Spencer James, seven touchdowns this yeah, week. Seven. Good for him. Spencer James might as well be Rick James. Like Pat has no Could have had eight. Could have had eight, but he could have could have broken his dad's record, but instead he took mm. a knee to, to it was Honor. very emotional. Wow. Yeah. Very emotional. All right, Pete. So I think I gotta take Wake Forest here. Small market, overshadowed. Your man is going to be mad. What? I'll say this. You kiss up to BC, but then you go right at Wake Forest? Well, I think I think Wake Forest is – they were on your list, Pat, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, as was BC. Yeah. I mean, I had I had, I had left over Wake Forest, Purdue, Washington State, Arkansas. Um, and you just feel like in terms of relevance in the last 50 years, Wake Forest would be the least relevant of those four. If if only we keep Arkansas for the potential of another coach motorcycle crash. I mean, I will say Wake uh, even like like two years ago, twenty nineteen, when they were eight and five, they still averaged less than I think it was twenty seven thousand fans per game. That's pretty bad. Smallest stadium in D one, right, or in the power could five. be. Uh, might be the smallest enrollment too. Have these, yes, I think they do have smallest enrollment and one of the smallest, if not the smallest stadiums. All right, I get the last pick, and I'll be willing to hear debate on this, but I'm going to go with Cal. Hmm. Cal has no excuse. Cal should be great. Cal's great at everything other than football. Cal has got location. It's got campus. It's got academics, but it's big enough to kind of slip some guys in the, you know, some kind of major undecideds. Uh, Cal, it's got recruiting turf. Cal should be great. Cal isn't great. Cal's never great. They had Aaron Rodgers. They weren't even that yeah, good. Pretty good. They had beast mode. They were pretty good then. I don't think the fans care. I don't think the alumni care. I think the campus would take, they would take the stadium, use it for something else. I don't think anybody cares. I'm taking Cal. Uh, in, What's the name of the hill on at Cal where everybody goes to smoke Cheap Cheapskate Hill? Cheapskate Hill? Cheapskate Hill. Tightwad Hill. Tightwad Hill. Tightwad Hill. Tightwad Hill. Tightwad Hill. Same damn thing. Tightwad Hill. You can look in. Hill. Spendrift Hill. Used to be where they'd go to smoke joints right. while watching the game, and now you can just do it right. in the stadium. So yeah. even that doesn't attract Yeah, people. no, that, I mean, they are a, absolutely awash in apathy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And a small budget. I can't I can't completely dispute that. I would, I would take Maryland before Cal. I would take Arkansas. I would take Texas Tech, Purdue, uh, all before Cal. And I would probably even consider Colorado and other places full of apathy. But they won a national title within the last 31 years now. And South Carolina has been bad, but boy, the fans show up. So you got to give them credit for that. They show up at Arkansas. Arkansas. Ah, Arkansas. They're bad. Mm. If it wasn't for that, that doomed Harley ride, they'd be <laughs> great right now. <laughs> that was that was a decade ago, man, and they're still bad. I would right, just hate to could... do that to Sam Pittman, you know, just relegate. <laughs> that, yeah. How bad, how bad <laughs> was it with Chad Morris? Them. The fact that, like, people are looking at Sam Pittman like he's Bear Bryant. He was three and seven last year. But that's how bad it was before before three and seven. Well, I'll tell you, a school that avoided it, and a, and a, I think they've got a little market cornered here. I don't know if you've heard about this, West mm. Virginia. This could yeah. also apply to Marshall. Okay, neither no, no one wants to kick uh, West Virginia out. But West Virginia, the state of West Virginia, has a a new policy they've come up with. You can get the state of West Virginia will give you twelve thousand dollars in a year long pass. To its state parks, <laughs> I found <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> we'll kick in a free free park pass if you move to West Virginia. Really, you get twelve grand if you move to West <laughs> Virginia. They're trying to get people to move to West Virginia and telecommute or work remotely or whatever. Uh, Is this a Groupon <laughs> or was this actually through the legislature? <laughs> ah. I think they're using Groupon. This is why it's still West Virginia. Even the legislatures, you know. Um, uh, there's a reason that 50 years ago, John Denver came to West Vir- coined West Virginia almost heaven in his hit song, Take Me Home Country Roads, and we'd like to share it with you. <laughs> it's about the-, the Western. That's not even about the West Virginia. It's about the Western part of Virginia. That's oh, not even. Uh, well, 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 that's a heavily disputed notion now. Because they, do they don't have much in that Shenandoah, state. But there's a huge debate over that, and you will, you will. <laughs> I just like to tell you, Sully, watch what you're doing right now. Watch yourself. Yeah. Their mascot has a gun. Somebody from West Virginia will shoot your ass just for even bringing it up. They, they also ripped. 
They ripped. They ripped Davy Crockett from the. Uh, uh, they also ripped Davy Crockett. So there's there's two things: the song and the mascot. They're just Uh-oh. ripping everything in West Virginia. They routinely win the NCAA <laughs> Rifling Championship. Up, uh, they beat the <laughs> Army in it. Yeah, that, they that's beat pretty good. Army. Watch I'll yourself, Sully. Watch yourself. <laughs> you don't want them coming after you. Twelve grand to move to West Virginia. A, are any of you doing it? And B, could this be an illegal? Does the NCAA know about this? They're going to flip out. <laughs> That's you know, like if you live in like Ashland, Kentucky, and all you got to do is move across the Big Sandy River for twelve grand and the park pass. Eh, you know, I might I might take it under consideration. Move to Huntington. <laughs> Uh, and especially like you think this brings Pac-Man Jones back. <laughs> this isn't like the Upper East Side of Manhattan where twelve grand gets you like dinner. <laughs> no, I get twelve grand goes further in West Virginia than just about anywhere else. But you still are in West Virginia. Uh, th- that's the tax. You are living in West Virginia. <laughs> but <laughs> beautiful. The park pass. Like if you're if you're really kind of up against it, the park pass. You can go fish for you can buy your dinner you could live off the land for a while you know got to bring up fishing doesn't he <laughs> got to pick that scat <laughs> when we organize a big west virginia fishing trip you'll be the first invitee well, we'll, we'll bring see. you the green there you go yeah uh, there are similar programs in vermont you get 10 grand to move really? to vermont wow uh and That's then local and ones northwest arkansas <laughs> has one is this what sam Pittman yeah. is up to Savannah, Georgia, Tucson, Arizona, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really? Huh. Yeah, the, they will pay you to wow. move there. Funny, none of those places other than Tucson really booming. Uh, Savannah yeah. is kind of. Northwest Arkansas has had some boom with Walmart and all that business, but I don't know whether that's still yeah. ongoing. 12 Gs. 12 Gs to move to West Virginia. is Should they utilize <clears throat> this? Uh, I don't know that really a college athlete would have, would apply, would it would would qualify but i'm sure that can be overlooked on this ascend west virginia website i mean why not try i would i would at least throw it out there especially you know to some of the more um shall we say interested families that tend to follow their children where they go to college those 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 that have potential especially Mm. yeah if i was some uh you know juco defensive end who is about to about to enroll at west virginia in june you know i'm logging on and giving it a shot right like Right. <laughs> Just put your occupation as like sack master. <laughs> I mean, if the West Virginia government says you qualify, well, who's the NCA to That's overrule it. that? Talk to the government. There you go. Jig. And if they got caught, they wouldn't rule on it till like 2029 anyway. <laughs> so, like, you know, I think it's worth the risk. You you invest that 12 grand in like uh, Apple stock. You'd be, you know, you'd be rolling by then. I mean, Brian Bowen Sr. got offered a house to move to Stillwater. <laughs> yeah. And then he ended up moving into the Galt House in downtown sure. Louisville for Brian's Jr. He should have just gone to West Virginia. It all would have been good. He could have been walking around some mountain park and living. No need for little secret cash uh, deals at the gas yeah, station. There, there have been a lot of economic incentives, air quotes, uh, over the years to move places if your kid is good enough in sports. Where was Zions? Didn't Zions? Oh, yeah. Big, moving uh, to that to nice do. neighborhood yeah. in Durham. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, so nothing new. West Virginia's just yep. catching up. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, NCA uh, uh, crime and punishment, uh, I'm personally humiliated as a UTEP fan <laughs> right now. The minors are on probation. <laughs> the UTEP minors were cheating. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. First, they put the softball team on for two much uh, for different stuff, and then uh, football. The defensive and offensive quality control specialists for UTEP provided skill instruction during practice, uh, and that exceeded the number of allowable coaches for two years. And so UTEP is now on probation. Now, I'd just like to note the last, uh, uh, this is, I'm going to read off the win totals of recent <laughs> UTEP seasons three, one, one, zero. <laughs> Exactly how much instruction <laughs> was getting done here. Uh, that's Does the NCAA really need to punish UTEP for having too much coaching? <laughs> Think how bad those players would quality be without control? that quality control coaching. What? How are you a quality control specialist when you won two games in three There's years? There's no quality to control. <laughs> 
Jesus. Now, this is humiliating. See, Dan, that's, yes, you should be ashamed as a UTEP fan, but not because of the committing the violations, but because it led to nothing. You're not getting much bang for your We got probation. We got two wins. So win some games, man. I don't care. UTEP goes 12 and 0, catch them. They're cheating, believe me. <laughs> what the hell? How who the heck are you out? cheating? Like, who's really going to? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This is what, I was Kansas still floating around out there? <laughs> <laughs> because Kansas has admitted nothing. UTEP, I, I actually looked at the report. It was one of those where, like, UTEP's like, yeah, you got us. And I figured, yeah. <laughs> you know? Somebody, well, they the probably have hours person, hours they don't have a film. Yeah. That showed right. the coaches coaching, yeah. right? Like it's hard to like and can't burn all no, the tape. Right. I figure this is one of those things where, like, you know, that somebody came after him for softball and softball's like, Oh yeah, well, do you see what over what's going on over at football? And they're like, No, oh yeah, oh sorry. Well, now we gotta own up to both of them. Okay, they got a one year probation. This one's my favorite part. they they got fined <laughs> five grand. <laughs> <laughs> the five thousand dollar fine, like, what actually is that? Where does that money go? <laughs> What does that do? <laughs> Why? Ah, uh, five grand. Uh, Looks like there goes Taco Tuesday at the uh, at the damn. training table. Five thousand dollars is the entire fine for a university. Uh, where does that? It's, I want to know where does what does the money come out of? Probably, like you said, Taco Tuesday at the training table. And then where does it go <laughs> at the NCAA? Does it go into the oh Christmas yeah, party? Right, Christmas oh, yeah. party They're for good. sure. The whole staff gets drunk at the Slippery Noodle <laughs> Inn downtown Indianapolis on the, and they sit around. It's UTEP <laughs> night. <laughs> They all wear UTEP gear to the bar. Miners. <laughs> Another round on the miners. UTEP night at the Slippery oh Noodle. Oh, my gosh. Let's take the glory road to the Slippery Noodle. For why some the, why, free why Tito's and sodas. $5,000 fine. What is this? Now, that's that. most of the penalties have a $5,000 fine in there. Now we know why. I don't think that's the no. deterrent. No, it's not. But that yeah, uh, so so you got the holiday party from UTEP, and then who else just got a five thousand dollar fine? Who else just got penalized for something? Oh, Youngstown State, that five thousand goes to the spring retreat. You know, that's you get five thousand a year, five thousand. Oh yeah, there. I'm I, stunned. President Jim Tressel wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and Bo Pelini got together and didn't I monitor. can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> who could have foreseen it? This <laughs> is. <laughs> My, Unbelievable. My favorite part is I saw that headline it, it, somewhere in the Nebraska media because they're the only people that still care about Bo Pelini. <laughs> so they were publicizing Bo Pelini's latest, <laughs> latest setback. Right. Still so much bitterness at, at Nebraska about Bo yeah. Pelini. Well, they're still paying him, right? So. Yeah, well, he could pay yeah. the fine. <laughs> he was a $2 million defensive mm. coordinator at LSU. That went well. And did he have a three-year deal? I think he had a three-year deal. Really? I know this in, in the... In the single word assessment of our Cajun fishing guide, sorry, Dan, but uh, on Sunday when I, Saturday, Sunday morning, when I asked him oh, while we were man. out, I was like, so how, what, what was it like watching it last year with Pelini's defense? Horrible. This is it. How big of a legend is Coach O down there? Are they oh, he's turning big. on him? No, he's big. No, no. That, down in Cajun country, they're definitely not turning on him. You drive through LaRose, his hometown, on the way down to Golden Meadow, where we were. Those yeah. are his people. Oh. And yeah, no, it's all, we just got to get Coach Oda right support. We got the players. He know what he's doing. He motivate them. You know. Right. Did you enjoy that fishing trip, Pat? <laughs> all right. Do we really have to discuss this again? <laughs> Best time of my life. Best time ever. <laughs> I hate you both. I hate you both. I'm going to fine you both $5,000. Pete, you had a really good story this week about the retirement of Alex Smith, who uh, is probably best known for his NFL former number one pick. Guy's had quite a quite a career. He was quarterback for Reggie Bush in high school. Ends up being the number one pick in the draft, although he only goes to Utah. He only gets in because another guy broke his wrist or something. Uh, it happens to Utah when Utah is not uh, in the Pac-12, Urban Meyer shows up, turns him, helps turn him into the number one pick, has this very interesting, good career, obviously a heroic comeback in Washington. He retires. You kind of went down that college route with him, and you called him one of the most influential players of the last, I don't, I don't know, t tell us what, how, how, how'd you phrase it? So 
I uh, I wrote the column that basically said, look, he was not the best quarterback this century, this generation, whatever. But since since 2000, which is Pat and I both first started covering national college football in 2004, yep. right, Pat? We were uh, we were on the on the beat together then our first. So that was this season, this sort of season of of Alex Smith. Um, and, you know, so I feel like I can speak enough to college football since 2000 past that, you know, I was in college and, and didn't follow it as closely, but I would think in that time since 2000, you can make an argument that Alex Smith is one of the most important players in the sport. Are there others you can make that argument for sure? Alex is not the best quarterback we've seen in the last 20 years in college football. There's probably 10, 15 better, right? But he went 21 and one as a starter. He's only lost to New Mexico. Wow. But I, it was a twofold legacy story. One is he basically took Utah from being a run-of-the-mill Mountain West program. Maybe they were like a little better. Like they would have been one of the better jobs in the Mountain West. And he put them in, in, in you know, the end of that season, number four in the country or number three in the country. They were at the top five by the end of the season. and Came in sixth in the BCS. Yeah. Undefeated. Undefeated. Yes. Yep. They were, they were undefeated and really untested. That No one was within 15 points of them. They played. Uh, they played four Power Five teams that year, and I'm only going to bring up the four because it was fun to remember who the coaches were. They beat Mike Stoops's Arizona team, Carl Torbush's North Carolina team. They beat Dennis Franchione's Texas A&M team, and the immortal Walt Harris's final game at Pitt. Um, they won those games by an average of three touchdowns, and but that offense was so far ahead of where college football was. So the same season, Bowling Green went 9-3. and Urban Meyer's OC, Greg Brandon, took the BG job when he left. They had a quarterback named Omar Jacobs, who was a statue, big, physical, freak, Cam Newton-ish body type kind of guy. Um, Omar Jacobs had 41 touchdown passes and four interceptions. Now, in 2004, that is like jaw hit the ground, 41 touchdowns. Look, you know, Mike Leach comes along and the air raid comes and guys throw 40 touchdowns a season. Now, that did not happen in college football then. And look, Alex Smith was a very good athlete, but at the time, the offense was so far ahead in the way he was so smart, the way he read things. And he was obviously an excellent passer. He became a, a, a very good NFL quarterback. I think he won 199 games in the NFL. So like, that's, you know, pretty good, right? I really just think like what, What's a little bit lost, and then I went down the rabbit hole, I called Mullen and I called Meyer and I called a, a bunch of people who were around then, was just like, teams had no idea what to do against them. I remember that year at the Heisman ceremony in New York, I was sitting around the lobby at the Hilton with Urban and some like high school coaches from New Jersey. You know, he's doing a little like recruiting shtick because they had a player he wanted. He had got the floor job at this point, and he said, empty your wallet, empty your 401k, and put every dime you own on the Utes. He goes... Pitt has no chance to stop us. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, now I didn't obviously bet. And he wasn't obviously trying to get us to bet. But he was just like that outlandishly confident. And I mean, they blew Pitt. Pitt wasn't in that game for a snap. They just completely blew them out of the water. And he basically said the way they did things, Pitt's linebackers were too big and slow and wouldn't be able to handle like the, the reads and the pitches. And, and, and they would just get mismatches all day. And that's uh, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So and then Walt Harris went to Stanford. <laughs> I'm sure you remember that fondly. <laughs> no, it's so. anyway. It was a walk down memory lane. Alex was a really interesting guy. I know Pat covered him some there uh, too, but it was a it was a fun time to kind of rekindle uh, the, the last great few days. story. And it does. I, I think your point is 100 percent correct that in terms of impact, timing, uh, fantastic uh, influence on on things as as they were to come in college football. The first game I covered as a national reporter for ESPN after coming from the Louisville Courier Journal was that game against uh, Texas A&M on a Thursday night to open the season. And you watch that, and it was 100% chess versus checkers. And they just schemed them and executed them to death. And you walked out of there like, holy cow, Utah is good. Wow, Alex Smith is good. And then the season just kept playing out that way. And if you think about it, <clears throat> the harmonic convergence of Alex Smith and Urban Meyer Sent them both on to great things. The symbiotic relationship that helps them both. That that was the thing there. And yes, just exploded the spread offense uh, concept throughout college football from there. Now, this was prime. We were working on death to the BCS. We were or we weren't. We actually weren't writing it then. 
but Josh Peter and I, who's at USA Today now, is at Yahoo. We were in a, we were we were trying to figure out how the whole system worked, and we were going through everything from tax records to the Harris poll and all that. And this team the was Harris one poll. Really, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Remember the Harris that, poll? What a disaster! Oh, there's some dude in like a hut in Idaho <laughs> is like voting in the Harris poll. Well, I, I got a good story on this because the AP dropped right. out. They were like, "You can't use our poll anymore." So it's yeah. the coach's poll. And they assembled this expert Harris poll. So Utah that year did not, the closest game in the entire season was a 14-point victory uh, against Air Force. They destroyed teams. They're winning, they destroyed everybody. They had Alex Smith and Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. And I mean, this is a, and a new offense that no one could cover. This is fascinating. And this is why you want to play off. Now look, USC won the national title that year, destroyed Oklahoma in the title game. They had Reggie Bush. They probably would have won it anyway. But this is where the playoff would have been fascinating because Utah would have had their shot. And boy, they could have sprung an upset. 100%. They would have made the final four or something. And this could have been amazing. And what happened was they destroyed Pittsburgh in that game at 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 the Fiesta Bowl. And so... Josh, Peter, and I decide, let's call Harris Poll voters and ask them what they think. And so we get the list and we start making phone calls. And literally 20 minutes later, Josh calls me and he goes, I got, I got, I've talked to three and I had talked to one. I had found one that didn't answer his phone at that time or gotten a hold of all four guys. We asked them, what do you think of Pittsburgh? I mean, what do you think of Utah? Like, wow, that was incredible last night. And all four of them said, that's the first time I've seen him play this year. That's unbelievable. (laughs) No joke. We said, what? And we had their names in the book and stuff. I mean, we're literally like, screw it, right? We ran them on Yahoo. What kind of system is it that you never even watched an undefeated team? Uh, And I'm not talking about random fan who's like, I didn't got around to staying up late. Your job, (laughs) quote unquote, but you signed up to be a Harris voter. and You're like, well, Utah couldn't be good. They're Utah. And it's like, this is how stupid this system is. Like, man, I don't know. I would have loved to see Utah play USC. (laughs) Not saying they would have won, but they sure as hell could have gotten there as something big. They could have played Oklahoma. They could have, like, it would have been fascinating. I was like, this system sucks so bad. These guys didn't even get watched by the people who have been deemed the experts who should determine this. That's beautiful. (laughs) That's great. No matter how much we kick and scream about the 14 playoff now, it was so much worse when people say bring back the old system i go nope those voters suck at least the the bc the uh the playoff committee would have watched them and said no (laughs) but at least they would have watched them but honestly that team was awesome and yeah they had a 15-year nfl quarterback and one of the two of the best coaches literally one of the top two coaches of this era three coaches and as their offensive coordinator an excellent coach and all sorts of talent on that team. So Mullen was, was actually a, the quarterback it, coach because it's my job to be a nerdy football guy. <laughs> okay. It was uh, Mike Sanford's right. dad who went down to UNLV. It was the OC. Was the, uh, was, the, was the OC. But Mullen behind the scenes got a lot of credit for sort of being the creative wizard around then, which makes sense because he's one of the five best. And was, was Urban calling plays at that point? No. No, Urban's never called really? a play. Like he's never been the play okay. caller because remember he was the wide receiver right. coach at Notre Dame yeah. before he went to uh, <clears throat> Bowling right. Green, where he was hired by Paul Krebs, who ended up at New Mexico, ended up going in the clink for a golf junket. <laughs> Remember that one, Dan? College sports, baby. Yes, college sports. He could, you can make probably one of the most inspired hires of the, the generation, Urban at Bowling Green. Like, you know, you pluck a pretty anonymous, uh, you know, position coach from Notre Dame, and he ends up leading you to uh, leading you to glory for two years there in the MAC. Although they never did win the MAC, but they they went at Missouri, right? They Pat? did. And they were they end up winning Didn't, ten games yeah. the second year. Yeah, they were good. They were uh, they were definitely good. But yeah, then the guy goes to New Mexico because it was like a Scottish golf junk classic. You know, made the Orange Bowl cruise look <laughs> look above board. All right, let's get to this. Uh, you could deem this chicken chicken war has gone bad if you want. <laughs> this story, uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, so Mars, <laughs> we're interested. NASA and astronauts are trying to to to, to get to Mars. We've had the the, the movie Martian. You yeah. see that movie, Bad Damon. That's the most ridiculous movie of all time. <laughs> say, 
Matt Damon is floating through space and they somehow catch him with their arms or something? Like what? I mean, come on. (laughs) Absolute (laughs) cinema verite. Very realistic. No doubt. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, they're talking about Mars, but what would happen if you're in Mars and you do get stranded or, uh, or, or things start going bad? And this is an actual story from IGN.com. Should astronauts exploring Mars eat the corpse, corpses of their crew members in a last-ditch effort to survive? If you're on Mars and someone else dies and you need the food, should you eat them? No so we were, space talking about cannibalism on the pod, like we were joking yeah. about in the text thread. No space agency has an official policy on cannibalism. <laughs> what happens in space stays in space. Yes, you eat them if it's a choice between living or not. Oh. Come on. Pat just what? jumps right in. I was going to quote Emory University bioethicist Paul Warp. <laughs> okay, sorry. I don't mean to, to pre- preempt you. But that's a fine. You you agree with Paul, but you a little more enthusiastically, I might note. <laughs> that there are two ki- <laughs> Yeah, there are two kinds of approaches to it. One says even though we owe the body enormous amount of respect, life is primary, and if we on- if the only way one could possibly to survive would be to eat a body, it's acceptable but not desirable. <laughs> acceptable but not desirable is cannibalism on Mars. <laughs> This is an actual story. This is like they're they're actually discussing this. <laughs> what? Paul Warp says that people have committed suicide to save others and other things. In fact, religiously, that's totally acceptable. I don't know why this guy makes the rules. <laughs> we can't. Dr- we this is, here's a quote. We can't draw straws to see who we're going to kill to eat. Why not? But there are many times that we've considered people heroes who jump on a grenade to save their buddies. This guy's out there, man. This guy's like that rodent expert. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had. Remember that guy? <laughs> Absolutely remember him. This is what he spends his time thinking about. If stuck on Mars, would you eat somebody? I guess. Well, yes. yeah. Pat said, hell yes, I believe would have been his quote. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, Pass the barbecue if the sauce, alternative is the said. alternative, then yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not certain you, you, you're relishing the meal, but you know. Assuming, yeah, assuming you're not pulling off the Matt Damon harvest potatoes on Mars crap in that movie, then, you know, that's it. I mean, I go to the Alfred Packer uh, playbook, the guy that uh, the known, known as the Colorado cannibal, who in like the he's stranded in the winter of 1874 with a bunch of frozen people and he had to eat them to survive. So you do what you got to do. Pete, I would reluctantly survive, but it would be with a lot of reluctance. A lot of reluctance. What would be our rules within the pod if we were stranded somewhere? I think I'd just kill myself. I'm really not interested in eating another person. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like that. not only would that meal, like, I, I don't know. I, I, like, you have to know how to prepare the meat, first off. Like, I know how to cook a chicken. I don't know what the proper temperature is. I probably don't have a thermometer. Like, how, <laughs> uh, let, the rest of my life that, that you have an air fryer, uh, let's, let's think, let's you think, know, let's try to think in terms of Mars here where it's going to be really cold. Do I have the Trevor Lawrence toaster? Like, how do I do this? I don't. <laughs> the glass toaster, you can see your filet pat inside the glass toaster. I'm going to try to find a cliff in Mars to jump off of if you actually, but then there's no that, gravity uh, there. Do you even I go think, down? I don't know. That? I think there is gravity there, but that would be a bad, you know, that's the risk of trying to, yeah, you know, trying to jump to your death someplace. Like J- Jupiter has crushing gravity, I think. You'd, you'd die very quickly jumping from high heights there if there is such a thing. Well, and I'm not going to Mars. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> That's probably the best way to short circuit this hypothetical. You know, if asked, I will not serve. <laughs> I do not intend to go to Mars and eat people. Okay, let's talk about the chicken war. Enough about us. We had a chicken war. Yeah, vibrant, raging chicken war. McDonald's is upping its its fight. Uh, all, all our listeners in Sacramento, please let us know what's up. They're they're starting a new chicken breakfast sandwich. I have tried the their 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 regular chicken sandwich. Meh. Not as good. Not as good as Popeye's or Chick-fil-A. It's okay. Um, but they're trying this and they're calling it breakfast. It's a chicken fried chicken filet topped with applewood smoked bacon and honey sauce between a biscuit or an English muffin. Is that really breakfast? Yeah. I mean, if you're hungover, that's gonna that's gonna get you get you through the morning, right? I mean, it's I mean, I'm fine with it. I, I it's like when they 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 
extended their breakfast menu. I hated the arrogance of McDonald's telling me what time breakfast I should, what time I should eat. Yeah, the all day breakfast. Yeah. Um, we, we back it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, who are you to say 11 a.m. is the cutoff? <laughs> in, in previous pod iterations, we, we did a, uh, a bit on that, I remember. And that, yes, Dan, Dan Wetzel, yeah. libertarian, was strongly in favor of eating breakfast when he wants to eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Most people at McDonald's are hungover or drunk. So why? But yeah, so they're calling this the I mean, it seems like they just took the regular sandwich pretty much anyway. Uh Thoughts on the breakfast wars? We're going chicken breakfast. I mean, it's wars the next now. frontier. You know, this is again an, an ever expanding war. It's now war on three fronts: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, so, I, I am not surprised that we've spilled over to this point. There's no containing this conflict. None, and no end in sight. This is like you know the like the Afghanistan war, where there's it just never ends. But I think it's a strong play by McDonald's. Obviously, they've got the reach. They've got the marketing power. I don't know whether the sandwich is going to be any good, but more breakfast chicken is not a bad thing. I will say the the breakfast chicken biscuit and strips in uh, from Popeye's are going to be dang tough to beat. But we'll see how this entry goes. I can't see how this no. is a bad thing. Never <laughs> start a war on three fronts, right? That, mm. that, that could be a bad <laughs> thing. Chick-fil-A has already dominated the chicken breakfast for years, so... My guess is they they're not selling as many chicken sandwiches as they thought, so they've got them laying around, <laughs> and they're just gonna. It's like a multi-billion-dollar business with like hundreds of thousands of locations, and Dan's just like, yeah, we got these laying around at all our locations that serves billions of people. Let's just uh, let's just uh, get a few biscuits. Make we got inventory. We might as well use it. Yeah, my my skepticism would lie in the applewood smoked bacon. <laughs> Just is, it really apple wood? Yeah. is it really like, applewood? Yeah. Is it really applewood? That's going to be a lot of apple wood to get that bacon <laughs> tasting that way. Like That's a McDonald's good point. Very good point. So, that, you know, I mean, excellent it's point. been the trend for, I don't know, 15 years in food now is you always have to put a modifier before. You can't just call it bacon now. It's got to be applewood, smoked bacon. Uh, but is it really? Right. Maple yeah. glazed. Right. right. Yeah. Is there really? That's a lot of apple trees <laughs> to go down. Yeah. To, yes. And really, I mean, that's a faint taste. That that's a very high end thing. I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe it. All right, that's our pod. That's gotta be our pod. We're down to <laughs> breakfast and cannibalism. <laughs> we back next week. Big NFL yeah. draft week. Feel the excitement. We'll talk a lot of NFL draft next week. Please subscribe. <laughs>